Hey, City of Champion listeners, welcome back to the podcast, which is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. This episode is brought to you by Unit B Coworking. Unit B is a multi-company co-working space focused on helping people pursue their passions and making Edmonton its creative best. Join a tight-knit group of freelancers, startups, and established organizations, all dedicated to getting things done. Besides desks and offices, Unit B offers members access to its podcasting studio and meeting spaces, as well as a kitchen, Wi-Fi, and the usual amenities, which is huge because if you're anything like me, you know that working from home can be a little bit of a drag, and sometimes you just need to shake things up in your work environment. It's located in the historic McKenney Building on 104th Street, close to everything downtown, including the Bay LRT station. Book a tour today at unitb.ca. My guest today is Edmonton Ward 11 City Councilor Mike Nickel. Councilor Nickel is a strong advocate for the effective utilization of tax dollars. So, in other words, he's trying to make your money go farther in government. He brings a lifetime of business experience to City Council, and the passion in which he talks about our city is is really evident, and it's super inspiring. So, please give it up for Councilor Mike Nickel. Councilor, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, I've done now, you'll be the 10th city council I've had on this podcast. I've got two to go before I start circling around Mayor Iveson. So I, I have a standard to meet, eh? Is that... I won't say <laughs> that. that. What we're talking about? Everyone, you know, every one of the councillors has, you know, a unique per, uh, personality and perspective and approach to city politics, which is what I found most fascinating. And what I also find fascinating is that everyone kind of plays almost like a caricature on city council. Everyone sort of got that I'm the guy or girl who is like this. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I, I, I hope I. Oh my. Yeah. Well, you know, this it's it's funny because uh, what people see and project often is not the reality, but that's the nature of the business. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the longer you stay in the game. It's all about stereotypes, and it's really fighting stereotypes. That's the problem when we try to get things done. So I get that. In one sentence, what would you say your your role or your stereotype or caricature would be on city council? Uh, I'm the value for taxes guy. Yeah, that's about at the end of the day. That's what it's all about for me. Uh, but I think people tend to th- tend to think it's only a financial consideration, and it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was sitting down with somebody the other day. Uh, she was under a new mom under the age of uh, 30. And I try to explain to people that, that it's not all about the money at the end of the day. We're in the people business. Mm-hmm. And of course, City Hall isn't a business. It shouldn't be a business, but it can be run more business-like. And what really, really bothers me, because I come from the private sector, is that the missed opportunities, the waste, uh, the lost money, mm-hmm. uh, just because I know how hard people work for that money when they pay their taxes, and it just drives me nuts mm-hmm. when we miss the mark. And so uh, I, I'm not a career politician. That's the, that's the thing. I, we were talking a little earlier about the fact that I'm retired, and so, you know, I'm here to do my bit for king and country, I guess, for public service. And mm-hmm. so that's where I really think when you, the money matters because we need to put it in places uh, where it counts. Mm-hmm. And it's not all about roads or sewers. It's about 
parental supportive housing, it's about all these other things. When we miss the mark, we can't spend the money on the stuff we need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was watching, um, I, I know you do your own podcast, which I think is awesome. Um, Mike Talk, correct? Mike Check. Mike Check. That's why I checked. Mike Check, Councillor Mike Nickel. Um, you're talking about the black box of City Hall and sort of how, how money comes in and we expect to get equal value out, but oftentimes it gets it gets evaporated in a sense into the bureaucracy of things. And um, is, there, is there a city that you have seen in your travels that you kind of hold as a gold standard one that's, you know, I know you're big on transparency. Are there other examples out there that you are trying to steer us to be more like? You know, it's it, and it's funny. We just, I was just having this conversation Here's with... Here's what I found. Siri, she jumped in. I, I was, uh, it's funny. I was just having this conversation about benchmarking Edmonton against other municipalities, mm -hmm. Canadian or American. And I, I quickly turned around and I said, you know, it is, we can benchmark specific processes, we can benchmark best practices, but never should you benchmark one community against another. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, my, my board goes from 82nd Ave all the way to the Henday, which covers Ritchie, Avonmore, and those neighborhoods, all the way down to Manessa and Sakaw. Ritchie's not the same as Sakaw. They're not the same kinds of neighborhoods. So you got to be careful about what you're actually comparing to. Now there's place, you know, if you want to look at, every city has virtue, right? They do some things really, really well. And you just got to go find it and see if it fits here. Uh, nobody has to talk, let's talk about snow clearing, mm -hmm. for example. It's pretty basic and pretty fundamental. But snow clearing here is different than snow clearing in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, keep that in the back of your head. So that would not be a proper comparator. So where are we gonna get the best value for it? So we always have to take a step back, look at the return on investment, social return on investment question. Mm -hmm. Are they delivering it? And are we comparing apples to apples? And that's often been the case when, you know, when I hear people say, and this is really frustrating to me, well, you know, Vancouver, we should be more like Vancouver, we should be more like Toronto, we should be more like Calgary or whatever. That's just bunk. Edmonton is the best city and I've traveled all over the world. I would have moved a long time ago if I didn't believe in this city. Mm -hmm. But we also are very, very unique mm -hmm. in terms of our experience, just because of our geography. And that, that is, that's what people need to really understand. We got something special here. When you talk about all these kind of varying and almost conflicting needs of peoples and wants and the virtues that we have, um, it seems like it's it's going to be impossible to satisfy everyone and, and you can take all the variables down to the nth degree but it seems to always kind of come back to uh, financial prosperity in the business model I guess that's typically a more conservative viewpoint and is that is that why you is that kind of why you feel that it's it's about making sure we're getting the value and promoting businesses so let's let's take a step back and I'm gonna I'm gonna argue with you do it that labels disabled yeah that this question about return on investment and social return on investment is a conservative value. It isn't a conservative value, it's just our values. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes flushing money down the toilet mm -hmm. and nobody likes government throwing money against a wall thinking that it's going to stick and mm -hmm. solve a problem. So does that make a New Democrat any less you know, value for tax person than the than the UCP folks out there? No, that's, that's crazy talk. Mm -hmm. So what we really need to focus on is measuring what we do 
and then setting a target and an outcome that we want to achieve. Mm -hmm. And that is where you start to get to, are we getting the best bang for our buck? Mm -hmm. Now we can give two examples on that, you know, one from the business side and one from the, uh, one from the uh, social development side. On the business side, I've said it many, many times, we're uncompetitive. Mm -hmm. Our tax and regulatory structure has pushed commercial and industrial users out into the region. Our ba tax base is shrinking mm -hmm. on that file, leaving the residential rate payer to pay more. Um, that's not sustainable. We have to fix that. Now that's just on the pure money side. Then you go over to the social development side. And I made this argument literally five years ago, and now there's some on council saying it's all their idea, which is, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Is, is that social return on investment is as much about cost avoidance and getting better bang for your buck than, um, than just throwing money at it. That's why the warming bus matters. That's why permanent supportive housing matters because mm -hmm. if we keep them out of emergencies, if we keep them out of hospital beds. Mm -hmm. Overall, that saves a whack of cash. But if you don't measure it, if, right. you, don't, if you don't actually do the counting of it, mm -hmm. you don't know where to put the money to get the, the biggest value. Uh, I remember one counselor telling me that he'd never process map a homeless person. He said, he said that's the most inhumane and horrible thing, uh, I'm paraphrasing, uh, that he had ever heard and he decried me for even asking that question. To which I made a simple reply, I said, if we don't know how this person is bumping into the system mm -hmm. and how much it's costing, then how do we know we're actually helping anybody? Mm -hmm. And that's on the social return on investment side. So it's just, that's just common sense. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I don't think they're incongruent. Now, it's not, to me, politics is no longer about left versus right. It's really about top versus bottom. And I'm really struggling with the, the fact is that everybody's getting poorer. Mm -hmm. They're not getting richer. And uh, we're moving backwards. So this has got to stop. In, in terms of, you know, how long of a time frame are you looking at when you say people are getting poorer and they're not getting richer? You know, what's, what's sort of your snippet of history that you're looking at? Because... A lot of people argue that you know we are getting more prosperous as a whole and the divide between rich and poor is getting bigger yes but that bottom level has also been risen up substantially in the last hundred years well uh, let's okay if you want to take the macroeconomic for uh, to be the rational optimist from a hundred years ago mm -hmm. we are better mm -hmm. there's no question about that uh, that, there's a book out there called The Rational Optimist, and I mm -hmm. encourage everybody to pick it up if we're all feeling bad one day. Who's that one by? Oh, you got you got to look it up. That's I not would, Steven Pinker. His is uh, Enlightenment Now. I, similar, I'm, similar, similar idea, sort of thing. Yeah. If you compare it to where we were a hundred years ago, mm -hmm. we're we're way better off than we were. But and in, in the and <clears throat> as the world works, right? Uh, I can only deal with what we're doing with today. Mm -hmm. And I look at um, everything from uh, can seniors afford to live on the pensions they, they have, mm -hmm. or can, is there a sufficient uh, opportunity and mobility in the system for people under 20, or people in 20 to 30 year olds to move in the economy to have that job so they can actually have the opportunity to pursue their, their dreams. Mm -hmm. It's not there, they're shrinking. And so yes, it's the beginning of that trend uh, in the last five to seven years as we go through these cuts and and so on because what we have now is economically unsustainable so this is this is my point where i say don't let a good crisis go to waste let's talk about some fundamental restructuring of what we do why we do it should we be doing it at all 
Mm-hmm. And so uh, with the, the new Alberta Conservative government, although you know they're not new anymore, it seems, but um, what was your feeling on, on the cuts that they made in terms of, you know, there's health care. I mean, my industry got impacted. They cut the film credit down from 30% to 8% and shrunk the cap on it as well. And it seems like that is pushing people out of the province. And of course, you're going to get anyone who the issue impacts directly is going to speak the loudest about it, right? So you've got a, a vocal minority who are, who are really pissed about something. Um, but I just don't see how that kind of, I, no one's explained it to me how that is a good thing, at least in terms of the film credit. Well, I think, I think you've, uh, you've, you've hit it on its head. And I often talk about the political class, uh, not just here at, at the municipal level, but provincial and federal, they, they don't seem to know what to do next. Mm. They're stuck in these old paradigms of left versus right. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just talking to my son about if you don't understand about the Cold War and why we're here today, mm-hmm. um, then we have a gap of experience between us. And and he says, what, what do you mean the Cold War? I said, well, there was a point in time on our lives where we, our constructs, our moral constructs were very well defined. Mm-hmm. Politicians knew what they were doing. Right. I don't see that now. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a real, you know, I was at, I had a coffee just the other day. I do that every two weeks in my in my ward. I had about 40 people show up, and everyone complaining about why are taxes going up? Why is it so difficult to get to make a to make a living in this town and so on? Uh, the what's what I think we really need to talk about is the we have to change, and I, we talked about the black box. We have to start challenging these fundamental concepts of how we're actually doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And so when I, for example, when I talk about value for your taxes, the measuring of social return and return on investment, uh, that's, that's not even part of the discussion when I see the numbers that in my reports, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so we're even starting with basic business processes to get a better, better handle on things as we get more, uh, more sophisticated. But it's incumbent on the politicians to come up with the new ideas. I have I have a, several new ideas. For example, today I'll be rolling out a, a voucher system for dads. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a motion that I'll be going to council. Uh, we all know that dads is a problem, right? We've just had reports, you know, uh, the the community saying dads isn't working for them. Dads is the uh, it's what's DATS? disabled disabled adults transportation, transportation system, right? And yeah. uh, we have a lot of people suffering. Mm-hmm. I won't, let's be point blank. And so I could go back and throw more money into Dats mm-hmm. and say, uh, hoping that it sticks, right? Hoping that'll change. Uh, but I think there's a problem with the, the way the model is working. It's just a milk run, mm-hmm. right? And people are waiting too long. They're missing their appointments. They're missing their medical appointments, for example. Mm-hmm. And that has a real financial cost to the system. We just covered that. So I said, screw it. You know what we're going to do? We have vehicle accessible taxis in town. Mm-hmm. And so I picked up the phone. I said, why aren't you guys taking this business? And they just said, it's not economically feasible for us to do right now. Mm-hmm. So. I said, what if we top up some of their fares? Mm-hmm. Because we have a fund right now that we take from Uber, mm-hmm. because they're not in the accessible taxi business. Yeah. We have about a million some dollars in there. Why can't we use it and put put some choice in right. the hands of the consumer? Yeah, absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. And that way they can pick mm-hmm. and they can customize the model. Now, this is only for medical appointments. but uh, And I also believe in evolution of revolution. So don't carpet bomb the city like we've done on so many other policies. Let's try it out, evolve it out, um, 
and see, and see how it can go because you have to measure what you do as you go forward. You got to make sure that the costs don't escalate, that it's easy to implement, and that it actually delivers on these people's outcomes. Mm -hmm. um, that's just business. Mm -hmm. I come from manufacturing. And so I think in terms of systems, I think in terms of how things fit together, how do right. you make it work? And scalability. And That's correct. Yeah. Correct. It's really about scalability. <clears throat> but I'm, I'm, I'm focused on a result, right? And the, the, you got to fall back to the people need choice. Mm -hmm. And let the consumer decide. Let the cust I always treat my constituents like customers. Mm -hmm. And I think we need more of that from our administration and counsel and not talk about it. And that way we can have more of that customer service element put into it. I know I talk in, the, in, in that business lingo. That's what, I, that's what I'm trained for, that's what I do. Yeah, of course. Old habits die hard and, and, and what gets measured gets managed, right? So back to what you were saying earlier. Or what gets measured gets fixed. Yeah, well, you, you take it one step further. You mentioned um, social mobility, especially for the 20 to 30 year old demographic. What do you see as sort of the biggest barrier to, to that age group? changing their life is it student debt is it um is it lack of opportunity uh it, and you know it, it's uh it, it's funny um because back when i back in back a long time ago i was very familiar with a lot of student issues um it's not like we haven't been here before mm -hmm. right the 1980s the 1990s the 2000s and so on i think youth unemployment for males is over the 20 percent mark right now really uh, yes, uh, under in, in somewhere around there. Um, back when I first started my first business, when I was in my mid-20s, um, it was a choice. And the choice was either I'm going to pick up and leave and go to the United States or someplace else to work, or uh, <laughs> I didn't really have a choice. So, But unfortunately, uh, fortunately we, we, my, uh, my father, uh, my brother, and I we decided to, to stay. We've been in business here since 1960 mostly in construction and manufacturing. So we stayed, uh, but I understand if we don't deal with economic prosperity and the fundamentals that go with that, you don't have a opportunity, you don't have opportunity, then everything starts to fall apart. Mm -hmm. And that's where we are today. We're moving backwards. Um, if you look around at the job market and the next round of cuts that are gonna come from the UCP, it's only gonna make things worse. Mm -hmm. So how do we, how do we jumpstart the economy? Um, there's lots of ways to do it, but again, we're back to trying to figure out, and this is where it's a struggle for me because I'm dealing with a lot of politicians that aren't business people, mm -hmm. and they don't seem to get what it takes to move a file, uh, the economic file in particular. I'll keep trying, right, one off at a time, and uh, because you can't touch everything. Mm -hmm. Well, in terms of changing systems, like you alluded to earlier, it seems like we've almost hit peak post-secondary in a sense like those institutions have grown so much the cost of the cost of going have gone up but it seems like that is almost having a pendulum swing back the other way where people are saying you know what screw it i'm not going to go and get a hundred thousand dollars into debt i'm going to go and take directed focused learning online about exactly what it is that i want to do not waste four years having to take electives and things of that nature well what is the what what has uh the web internet learning given to you that has not given to me and I just look at my my 16 year old son right mm -hmm. when we have a problem in math we just we just go to YouTube and we mm -hmm. get a video you know we watch Vsauce all the time yes. for example I love that show uh, and we have a science issue and, and it, it, I didn't have that mm -hmm. so you don't have to go to university to be a success you don't have to go uh, uh, um, 
to a post-secondary uh, institution to be a success. But you have to have an economic environment that mm -hmm. provides you the opportunity to be a success. And there is the difference. I believe in limited government, smaller government, and uh, government getting out of your way, mm -hmm. kind of as general philosophy, as opposed to big government, big government spending, and the government telling you uh, what's good for you. Mm -hmm. I'm just not that guy. Right. And I know what it takes to build a bit. I built businesses. I've sold businesses. I'm building more businesses now. And um, it, we can do it. It's all here. It's 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 so all here. And but it's it's going to take uh, some lifting to get that done. Um, do we have a again? We're back to this. Do we have a political class that actually understands uh, the new economy, uh, or are they just going back to the old paradigms? You know, we're gonna raise taxes, mm -hmm. cut services, cut cut labor. Those that's that's so yesterday. I just don't understand how people think this way. I talk to a lot of union leaders and business leaders, and I make a very simple argument. It's not about how much I pay you. It's how much productivity I get out of you that matters right. at the end of the day. So if I pay you a million dollars and I get a million one hundred thousand back, that's a ten percent return. Mm -hmm. We're all going to take that. Mm -hmm. So labor, business, and government have to get their act together and start talking on the same page. And I had some business union roundtables um, two months ago to do that. I had labor business leaders and the little, uh, union presidents. Uh, and some employee, uh, former employees all sitting around the table just to remove the old stereotypes. Mm -hmm. And now at the end of February, we're moving on to our second group of round tables about building, uh, building some coalitions about how to get the economy jump-started. Mm -hmm. What was the, so you, you come from a manufacturing background in, in university, you studied political science, statistics, yeah, media for all studies. That good it did me, yeah. I was going to say, like, what, what were, was there anything that you took from, from that time at post-secondary in terms of the academic part of it? Or? Well, I was different. I mean, my, the whole focus of my po political science uh, career mm -hmm. was is that I, I would argue with my professors, I need tools, not rhetoric. Yeah. And of course, I was not the most popular guy in my department because I kept asking, how, how can I use this in the real world? Right. And that is where the, a lot of, I think, what are you paying for out of your post-secondary institution? Yeah. So you're rocking the boat even what, back then. What, what, what are you getting for it? Where's yeah. the value in this, mm -hmm. uh, getting a psychology degree? Mm -hmm. What's the advantage in getting a poli-sci degree or a business degree? And now you have inflation where you don't have a, po you know, a master's degree or be, uh, you know, an MBA or a PhD. It's gotten quite absurd. Right. Right. Because it doesn't seem to be tied to functional, useful tools. I, w I want to create an, a young class of entrepreneurs in this city. Mm -hmm. Right. But they have to be enabled to do so. They need a tax and regulatory environment where they're, they can succeed. And if they're going to fail, they have to fail quickly and early mm -hmm. so they can move on to the next thing. And that's just the nature of business. And I, I'm... I think that's one of the best things you can do in the world is start a business, be an entrepreneur. The building is the fun. It, for me, it's not about, it's not about the money. Yeah. The building was everything. Well, it's because it's it's endless possibility, right? You don't know where it's going to be, and that's what drives people. Like I think it's it's like most things, similar to making a film. Like if you knew how much work it was going to take at the start, you oh might my be, goodness, you yeah. might be discouraged from uh, doing it. Yeah, like this job. But exactly, <laughs> exactly. But but when you start, you get this. You know, you have this great opportunity ahead. The way is clear. You haven't hit the roadblocks yet. And, and that excitement, that sort of passion drives you forward. And it and sounds to, like and, it's the same and, for you. Yeah, and to be success, you know and I know that continuous learning is all part of it. Mm -hmm. 
oh, that didn't work. Okay, if I want to stay in this, I better find out what's going to work, mm-hmm. right? And and it's it's hard. You know it's hard. It's a grind. But it's also an attitude you're not going to get beaten. Mm-hmm. You just got to keep your feet moving. Right? And uh, I know lots of rich people in this town that I would not say are PhD material, mm-hmm. but they're they are they have the tenacity and the common sense just to keep going forward mm-hmm. and sometimes you just have to stay the course i find a lot of young entrepreneurs want it real fast and it doesn't work that way it takes some time right the lottery is not is a myth the entrepreneurial lottery is a myth and uh uh for for 99.9 percent of us for 99.9% of those who are success, we've, we, we grind it out mm-hmm. for 1,000 to 2,000 days. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, having that that why enters you to any how, right? And you get it done. Um, I want to ask you, most things in life, it's hard to get people to care if it doesn't directly impact them or, or seemingly impact them. With politics, you think it's important to, or at least municipal politics, have people buying in early, getting to know sort of how the city runs and utilizing some of that knowledge in terms of their own life and businesses? And and how do you get younger people to buy into it? Well, there's no question that if you look at our voter turnout, municipal government has the lowest turnout of all three orders. And people are not engaged. Most people don't know, don't care. Which seems crazy to me because it's the one that you can most directly impact yourself. Okay, I get it. You get it. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. And uh, But so part of the problem we're having is, is that why do all the politicians we elect look the same, sound the same? When they get elected, the outputs always seem the same. And I... I've made that accusation for quite some time now, for over a decade. They're, they all look, sound, and act alike, no matter what they, no matter who we put in the chairs. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, if you if you're looking for if you're if you're under a certain demographic, you're going to go like nothing's going to change. So I just give up. Mm-hmm. So it's incumbent upon us to, if real change, if you want to make it happen, you got to put some real change. That means taking some politicians got to take some risks, mm-hmm. right? And you know, for example, I obviously take a lot of risks, and I I get criticized routinely for it. And that's fine, but that's the only way to get them in. Mm-hmm. And and also, we're another side of the argument is is, is that our politics is, have become so polarized that uh, you can't cross the street without somebody getting offended mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, that you wonder sometimes where the adults are in the room, right. and so people just turn turn off the TV, tune tune out, and we got to focus on things that build and bring us together, mm-hmm. as opposed to the things that divide us. And I'll I'll just throw it out here: I didn't support the vote on the climate emergency for mm-hmm. the city of Edmonton. Mm-hmm. I said this is not something that brings people together. If we really want to deal with climate mm-hmm. change, and I'm not a climate change denier, I think it's going to, and we have to deal with it. Be an adult. Right. Focus on the specific programs where we can uh, that it's about productivity and efficiency, mm-hmm. and that's the outcomes we want to get, as opposed to virtue signaling through an emergency. Yeah. Come, come on, you know, really. So now we've lost a whole bunch of people, mm-hmm. and now they don't even want to talk about it. And I'm going like, this is not, this is not healthy. Well, it's it, it's almost impossible to fight it in a sense because you've got that sort of just and sort of noble side of the argument if you're for the environment well that's an easy side to take of course of course i'm supporting in you know the climate change movement and the climate strike um the first thing that came to my mind when you see millions of people taking the day off work to go protest is like 
What is the productivity lost in those millions of jobs that could have been used to help people better? Isn't it frustrating to watch uh, a protest on a bridge, mm -hmm. right? And backing up traffic mm -hmm. and and the carbon footprint that's been generated. And, and it just, you see, the contradictions mm -hmm. are, are, are not lost on the average person. So what's happening now is people are just tuning out. They're mm -hmm. disengaging. Um, we, we, you know, the pro and it's only in the, in the end, all the people who are left are, are the angry people, mm -hmm. are the loud people, mm -hmm. are the people who are uh, interested in only one outcome and for, them, for their own specific interests. Who's left in the room arguing for the rest of us? Mm -hmm. and that's what I try to do. I try to, be the, try to be the balancing voice and saying, you know what, we need to take a step back and be sane about these yeah. things. Yeah. I don't, for example, I don't support the gondola. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is this is madness that we're even talking about this. <laughs> it's like Zoolander, you feel oh, like you're taking crazy pills. <laughs> oh my God, excuse my language, but it's like of all the things we can be occupying our time yeah. with. Yeah, and there goes the shiny, you know, uh, the shiny bobbly things trying to distract us from our problems mm -hmm. is not, it's not the adult thing to do. Yeah. I did, uh, last year I did a short political doc on um, US funded anti-Alberta oil sands campaign called Over a Barrel, so kind of based around the research of Vivian Krauss. Yeah. And so it was my first time, because I had only worked in sports documentaries before that, dipping my toe in sort of this political, environmental, climate re um, rhetoric. Yeah. And it was eye-opening to say the least. And I just feel fortunate that it's not my job to be in it every day, though I was kind of living in it for four months. But the and, and let's let's be fair and balanced about the side the argument to say that you know what people will try to support their point of view, mm -hmm. and they will go to folks and people. And but let's not kid ourselves on this whole spectrum of thi of, of of politics. People have agendas, mm -hmm. uh, and. You don't blame them for pursuing those agendas, but if you're uh, if you're not going to step up and try to to speak about your other side, the balancing argument, who's really to blame, mm -hmm. right? I challenge the business community all the time, saying, "While we were busy making money, right, you let these other folks pick, slip through mm -hmm. and build this anti-pipeline narrative with no with no argument." Mm -hmm. That's go that went on for a decade. Where were you guys? Mm -hmm. So you also, I point the finger back and saying, now, now you're living with it. Mm -hmm. Now you have to double your effort because you didn't invest in it to be, at the start. Right. And anyways, that's that's just me. And so I, I do challenge on both sides of, of that argument. I, you know, Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, all those cities have politicians that hate pipelines, mm -hmm. and they're going to push their agenda. Right. So. We have to turn around and start taking it back to the street. There's no substitute for doing your retail. Mm -hmm. There's no substitute. But do you think those politicians in Vancouver, for example, do you think that personally they hate pipelines, or do you think they're pandering to their their voter base because they get that Vancouver is that typically sort of environmentally conscious city? Though, you know, we talk uh, about the hypocrisy of having one of the biggest uh, coal export. Um, shipyards there it, and let's okay you know again let's uh, I'll go back to trying to be consistent they're gonna they do you know you do you you I'll do me yeah. kind of situation and I sit next to Councilor Paquette on council when he was declaring his climate emergency and I don't blame him for that mm -hmm. but if there are gonna be we have to go back and explain to the be reasonable and rational people because that's I do believe in people are there um, 
that we have to go out and sell that fact. Mm-hmm. Say, okay, you're doing, and and the governments and municipalities have to, if they're if Vancouver is going to turn around and, and restrict us, then mm-hmm. maybe we should be doing the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, let, let's, if you can't leave these people going on a post all the time, and mm-hmm. that's what's happened. Right. So we'll see what happens next. Um, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not into those files as much as other folks. I just know the problems I got to deal with here, and that's why I'm in municipal politics, is that I got to deliver best value. I've got to get this economy going and, um, and, try, and with good ideas, try to drag as many people with me as I can uh, to do it. Uh, because the, the cost is, is that uh, even if we got a pipeline tomorrow, mm-hmm. our situation would not change for years. Mm-hmm. So we have to deal with our reality now. All right in the next uh, in the ne- I always think about you know in business we always think about plans from a year two and five and so we got short-term medium and long-term problems mm-hmm. the pipelines are medium to long-term mm-hmm. problems we yeah. got short-term things we need to fix now right and people just want to skip skip that short-term uh, suggestion and just move on to long-term because See, and I'm they think it's the yeah. result of all their problems no right? yeah and and that that's not the responsible way to discuss it uh, sure, we got that, and but it's like in business, right? I mean, we've got this long-term thing, put a plan together, implement it, let it go. Yeah. So we got to deal with our medium-term thing. We got a plan together, we've resourced it, let it go, and then it's the short-term stuff that you can really, you really got to jump on, like uh, like I'm doing on this DATS thing. I got an immediate problem right now. Mm-hmm. I think this is a good solution. Hopefully, too much, not too much process will kill me on this, so we'll get it done. Yeah. Sort of the overarching kind of idea of what we've been talking about is is open dialogue and and the ability to change people's minds after they've already been married to an ideology, right? Yeah, we're very much in the uh, the, the difficult problem is we're very much in the era of feelings, not facts. Yeah. And that is the that's that is the struggle. Um, so, not sure how that's going to work out. And uh, but all you can do is put out good. And this is where this experience gap kicks in. Mm-hmm. How do you explain to somebody who's twenty five years old that property taxes matter? Yeah. Right. And and that is that is a struggle. Obviously, when you're a senior in your house, they do matter. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, then how do you explain to a senior about why you know? driving economic prosperity is really important to them when they're retired that's incumbent on the on the politicians yeah well, i know you got to run soon so i'll just end off with one more question sure. when you um when you're talking to someone not from here what's the first thing that you brag about for our city the community it's the best place to live best place to raise a family there's no other place like this in the world mm-hmm. i've been to china asia south america all through the united states and europe in my business career and I can't picture another city that I'd want to raise my kids, yeah. period, period. So much so, I, I often find so many of my colleagues over the years have left, they've mm-hmm. come back. Yeah, I and, imagine that. And that is what makes Edmonton Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's about geography, it's about our community, it's about uh, not just our neighborhoods, but the business people, the people who are uh, our nonprofits. We mm-hmm. just think differently here. And that's why I don't like comparing Edmonton directly with like, Toronto. I, I don't, okay, Toronto, that's fine. I'm not Toronto. I don't want to be Toronto. I, I, I just want Edmonton to be the best yeah. and continue on the, the, keeping those core values. And here's the risk, right? We are now at risk of losing some of those core values as this generational shift bet- uh, is happening. And that is, a, that is the big question, a big concern for me. 
And if we could just get those Oilers going too, we'd be. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. All right, counselor. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Have a good day. Thanks, everyone, for tuning into the show. Huge thanks to Counselor Nickel for taking the time to join me on the podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Alberta Health Services, who have an important message to pass along, so I'll leave you with that for the day. Bye, everybody. We ask these children if they know when to go to emergency and when there are other options. If, like, your heart stopped beating, if you were really sick, if you were super-duper hurt, you'd come. They're there to treat people that are really sick or really hurt and they need attention right away. If you have an emergency, we're here to help. If it's not an emergency, you have options. Take control of your health. Call 811 or visit ahs.ca slash options.